Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like and share, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is 7.48 a.m. East Coast time. It is Tuesday, October 8th, and we're going to do what we do on this channel pretty much every Tuesday is the initial, we call it picks because of the SEO reaches more people, right? But our initial sort of player pool, what I'm looking at, my interests really uh, for the week. So if you're new to my channel, welcome. Thank you for being here. My name is Sal Vetri. I cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and MLB streets. So what I do here is I do my first look yesterday. You can go check that one out. Today, I take sort of a, a more in-depth look. I've done a lot of research so far to this point. And then come Thursday or Friday, we'll take our final look, um, which we call final look for YouTube. Then the people on Patreon uh, know that on Sunday, we round it out. We do our actual closing thoughts on the slate now that we have all injury news, now that we have an extra two days, the weekend to prep and really hand build some lineups, optimize some lineups, things like that. So that's, that's sort of the process throughout the week. Here on YouTube, you get to see the far majority of it. If you're also a Patreon paired with the YouTube, you get to see my entire process of it up until lock on Sunday uh, when we go live. So yeah, if you're interested in getting some of that Patreon exclusive content, not only this data sheets not only my projections and cash game tiers showdown tiers but exclusive content in terms of a sunday podcast a friday podcast a wednesday live stream some other stuff it's all linked up down below follow me on twitter as well at sal dfs uh, you can check out pat mayo experience i featured there yesterday i was a guest on the show it's now up on the podcast format um so pretty cool so that's all the housekeeping i guess i can say you can roam around in the description as well i'll be putting a gofundme in there we're doing it on a live stream only basis but if you were interested and donated to this gofundme not for myself but for somebody who passed away in his early 30s and left his two toddler daughters um, behind uh, to be taken care of by the family. The family's doing a fantastic job, but uh, especially with holidays coming up, I wanted to just raise some money um, for them. I'll be matching uh, at the end of the month and sending that over in November uh, for them. So if you've been watching on the live streams, you know where that's um, been so far and how we've been doing with that. So it's great. If you're interested in donating, uh, let me know, reach out to me and I can tell you and get you set up with how to. So Again, very long-winded, but there are a lot of things going on, right? Week six in the NFL season. Let's get cracking. Appreciate it if you hit the subscribe button. We're about to hit 12,000 subscribers probably midway through this week. So this is the target offense sheet. Um, it's just a, a high-level look at the slate in terms of uh, defense versus position, which can be heavily skewed early in the season for the most part, depending on specific matchups, of course. Uh, you have your, your Vegas odds, pace ranks, and all those things. So starting with quarterback. Um, I, I feel like on a Tuesday, I've condensed, condensed this a decent amount, but of course this is going to change. Quarterback is the position that doesn't matter all that much. It really is just going to be influenced by their wide receivers for me. If I'm playing GPPs and I see a bunch of quarter, or a bunch of wide receivers that I think are in good spots and their quarterback is an okay to good quarterback and he's also in a good spot, well then yeah, I'm going to have interest in him uh, because I want to be stacking with the wide receivers more often than not, at least one and more times two. So starting with the Sean Watson, these are not ranks in any order. It's just um, yes in terms of tiers, and then X is like a maybe, and then N is just a no for right now. All subject to change throughout the week. This is an earlier look. So Deshaun Watson, yeah, I like him. I like Deshaun Watson as an underdog. Deshaun Watson as an underdog is much better in his career than he is if he's a favorite. Uh, That's for the most part, especially small underdog. That's for the most part for a lot of quarterbacks, right? The game script's just saying throw the ball more, but especially for Watson, he'll get out of the pocket a lot more. He'll extend plays when there's pressure on him. Now we saw him, I mean, this past game against Atlanta just absolutely go off five touchdown passes, right? 
So it's not like you can't do it either way. But the game total right now, obviously, this one seems to be the one that it's going to garner chalk, going to garner ownership. There's only two games that I see on the slate with a 50 or over total. Um, it is this game, the highest on the slate, 40, 54 and a half with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, two of the best quarterbacks in the league and most exciting to watch, I would say. Two out of the top five, six most exciting to watch in the entire league going at it. And you get him as a small underdog, which I much prefer having a quarterback as a small underdog than a small favorite. Um, you're just going to usually have much more positive game script. So I like him at this price tag. Uh, the guy that I like a lot, though, and I liked him a lot last week, I like him a lot this week, is just Kyler Murray. Look, we've yet to see this floor, we've yet to see this ext- like ceiling, I-, I would say, out of Kyler Murray. Yes, he had 90 yards on the ground and a touchdown last week, but only throws for 240 yards and change and no touchdowns in the air. Like when we get a Kyler Murray game of 250 yards and one to two touchdowns and then you get that 70 yards on the ground with a potential touchdown that's the ceiling game that we've been waiting for I don't even need the rushing touchdown on the ground it's obviously fantastic right it kind of balances out the points for not scoring your your passing touchdowns but it's kind of come and gone right the first two weeks we saw him do it with his his uh, arm primarily the last three weeks we've been seeing the big bump up with the legs rushing touchdowns being scored 70 60 90 rushing yards on the ground so if we get that stability on the ground, say six fantasy points or so, and he starts to put it together in the air, and really this team starts to put it together in the air, tough when you have two of your starting wide receivers out last week, and you're really, for the most part, throwing horizontal. David Johnson a little bit limited with the back last week, but now you get to go into Atlanta, I believe as a, a home underdog. Home underdog quarterbacks, especially if it's a small spread, is if you look at correlation throughout daily fantasy sports and just fantasy sports in general, is the best spot for a quarterback as a home underdog. Um, it's usually a spot that you, you over, you over exceed your price point. You hit value more times than not, and you overproduce and hit ceilings more times than not. It's a, it's a fantastic spot because you're already comfortable at home. You have the fan support, more motivation for whatever psychological reasons, but then you're also an underdog. So you're going to have to be throwing and when it's small, you're going to have to be throwing in neutral to negative game scripts, which always helps. And then you get Kyler Murray thrown in there, similar to Deshaun Watson with fantastic rushing upside. So Murray right now is standing out to me as sort of a, sort of a quarterback one option this week um, in terms of number one overall, but we'll see. Matt Ryan. So it's just this game environment, right? Um, if, if I want to stack Kyler Murray, then I'm obviously not stacking Matt Ryan, but you can go right back to Matt Ryan. Five straight to start the year, 300-yard games. And they're like meaningless yards, to be honest with you. We saw last week, just all garbage time yardage. Uh, they, they were never really in that game. The offense has not looked good. It has not been clicking back-to-back weeks where Julio was shut down, and they're forced in, in garbage time where there's soft coverages to throw the ball underneath the Sanu and obviously Austin Hooper just continuing to rack up targets, eight and a half per game now. But yeah, Matt Ryan in this spot is still good. In real life, his yardage and stats don't mean nothing because they're not winning games and they're coming in garbage time. But in fantasy, that all adds up. So this revi- this very bad defense, albeit injured for the Falcons, but still bad regardless, um, is just propelling Matt Ryan forward to just fantastic fantasy weeks after weeks after last week, I think putting up mid-30s in fantasy points. So uh, I like this spot for Matt Ryan, who has the highest average at, uh, attempts per game right now, tied with Jared Goff at 44 on the slate. We should also mention Kyler Murray throwing the ball 40 times per game. Kirk Cousins is my final yes, and this spot scares me. He's only throwing the ball 25 times per game, but now he gets an Eagles defense that has just been dominant. The defensive line right up there with the Bears for the best in the league, absolutely dominant against the run. Dalvin Cook, it doesn't make him a bad play because we've seen the last two weeks what he's done in the air, especially two weeks ago against that number one that I would say in the league, Bears defensive front, got involved in the air, made it work, had a good game. But for Kirk Cousins, I think this is a spot where you see him throw more than 30 times, which again, his average is 25 per game. 
So if you're seeing him throw 30 to 35 times, that's a big bump to his production, right? You're going to see a potential 33% bump up if he throws 33 times in this game, uh, which is which is good. And that's obviously big. And you're going to have fantastic matchups on the outside for his um, receivers and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. So I would expect this to be a more pass the, uh, pass the ball script for Kirk Cousins. They have a decent team implied total of 23 and a half. Lamar Jackson, I have concerns about it. We've seen him in blowouts can perform perform very well, right? If the quarterback blows the team out, maybe they're contributing to it. Lamar Jackson on the ground can pick you up five, six fantasy points like nothing. Second in fantasy points per touch on the slate. Um, but it's a little bit, I think, only behind Russell Wilson. It's a little bit concerning, though, because they are 12-point favorites. 12-point favorites leans heavily that Mark Ingram probably has a favorable game here. Doesn't necessarily mean that because the Bengals are still bad against the pass, really bad everywhere tackling run. Um, but it, it leaves me with a concern to not want to get to him uh, compared to Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan and uh, Deshaun Watson, who are also in the 6K range. Jimmy G, uh, he is a, a road, un- he's a, so he's a road underdog, so I, I like underdogs on the road, not as well, but it, it's a nice spot here against the Rams defense that back-to-back games now has just been exploited by good quarterbacks. We saw a very run-heavy script last night, um, double-digit touches on the ground, seven or more tar- touches on the ground for three of the running backs. Once again, Jeff Wilson not active, but Tevin Coleman comes in, looks really good, carrying the ball 16 times, almost a 100-yard game, um, and, and you know, Matt Breida scoring two touchdowns, one in the air, one on the ground. This lines up a lot more to be a pass-the-ball script type of game which doesn't mean those running backs can't be involved in the passing game just I think you see Jimmy G instead of throwing in the 20s um, probably getting the mid 30s uh, Garner Minshew is actually really interesting to me here so I I like this spot so look you have Marcus Lattimore now first three games of the year look terrible or Marshawn Lattimore on the outside the last two games he's looked good he shut down Amari Cooper who uh, just torched Jair Alexander uh, in the Packers and then he shuts down last week Mike Evans no catches at all I believe on three targets so he's been looking good PJ Williams in the slot is still an issue like Chris Godman just ate him up and he's just been destroyed every single week so you're gonna have D.D. Westbrook in a fantastic matchup in the slot here and then if you trust DJ Shark uh, to outproduce and really just uh, beat Marshawn Lattimore which last week he made James Bradbury who had a 32% rating coming into that game against him by quarterbacks which just means you're a very good cornerback he made him look dumb um, so, or he just burnt him left and right. So I do like those two wide receivers. So it makes it somewhat interesting to want to stack Minshew, who does have rushing upside and appeal there. So that's why I get interest. And then Russell Wilson against Cleveland and what seems like, I, I think it's a pick game right now. Decent team total of 22.75, nothing fantastic though. So when I factor in Russell Wilson's price, I'm actually going to make Russell Wilson a no for now. I think he's a good quarterback, but when I factor in his price, 6,600, I much rather have Kyler Murray. I much rather have Deshaun Watson. So I'm probably just not going to get there. So that's quarterback right now. Let's get over to, and, and just notes on Josh Rosen, the team total is gross, 18.75. He is a home underdog, similar to Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray's team's implied for six more fantasy points, and that game is just such a better environment, 52 total compared to Josh Rosen's of a 41. Uh, just tough to get there. Dak, I like Dak a little bit more if Darnold does indeed play. There's a chance that he will play this week, uh, probably a decent chance as well. Running backs, um, I, I just like Zeke, he's a big favorite here, eight and a half point favorite. Uh, if Donald doesn't play, it's going to get even better for Zeke. Zeke played 93% of the snaps last week, 97% of the snaps the week before. Zeke did not produce all that well last week, albeit had a good game. I think he had three receptions for, um, he pretty much had like six points throughout his receiving game, scores a touchdown, uh, 12 carries on the ground. It was just very limited because they got down very early in that game, like 31 to three at one point. So, and then early in the game, they were down by two scores in the first quarter. So it doesn't help you as a running back when that happens. But albeit, all things considered, still finishes with right around 18 fantasy points or so in that game. And a game script that just said, like, this is going to be terrible for you. Still comes out on top. Really like the matchup for him. David Johnson popped up on the injury report. Did not play. Only got in the 70s in terms of his snaps that last game. Chase Edmonds looked good on the, on the touches. He got eight carries on the ground, four targets in the air. 
but it came out later that he was dealing with a back injury, but he's probable for Sunday. And look, this this spot against Atlanta pass catching running backs is not as great as it has been in the past, but it's still good. Like the numbers aren't looking fantastic in terms of how many points they're giving up to the running back, but they're giving up a good amount of points. They've just faced guys who aren't pass catching running backs. They face Derrick Henry, right? Guys that aren't going to catch the ball um, for the most part uh, against you. So uh, I'm not too concerned. They faced last week, Carlos Hyde. So they get Duke Johnson last week, but they're in a game script where they're trailing. So Carlos Hyde stays on the field. So he's not a guy who's going to catch a ton of passes either. So it's just, it's lining up right now that Atlanta is trailing in these games. So running backs don't have to catch the ball. And you're also facing running backs that don't catch the ball. So now you get David Johnson in there in a spot where he's a home underdog, which means lines up more so for him to line up as a receiver, especially if Kirk remains out, which it seems like he might. I like David Johnson a lot. Le'Veon Bell, usually I wouldn't say get a eight and a half point underdog into your lineup, but he's he's uh, $6,400. Darnold might come back, which is good. Dallas's defense, we just saw get torched pretty much when they face a good running back so far. They got torched by Saquon week one on limited touches. They gave up a career and a record setting day to Aaron Jones this past weekend. Le'Veon Bell is still running top 10 routes in the league, top eight routes in the league, even though he's at his bye. Like that's crazy. Like he's had his bye week, played one game less than most of the running backs in the league and still is top eight in the amount of routes he's running as a running back. So if Donald comes back, Le'Veon Bell is going to be an extreme interest of mine because it keeps the drives alive. Not only do you find yourself in the red zone more, keeps the drives alive. It takes eight-man boxes off of Le'Veon Bell because nobody's scared of Luke Falk. And when Donald's in there, there's an actual deep threat in Robbie Anderson. Chris Herndon is back now to open up the middle of the field as well, and as well as Jamison Crowder on the other side. So this is a, a good very quality offense when Donald is back, Chris Herndon coming off of um, the suspension list. So yeah, Le'Veon Bell, I have a lot of interest in. Chris Carson at $6,000. I mean, he played a season high in snaps after Rashad Penny came back on Thursday night. So even with Rashad Penny there, Penny only plays, I think, like 17, 16% of the snaps. Chris Chris Carson sees um, in the 80% range of snaps, and he's just been so, so good running running a ton of routes. Last week, I think he ran around 25 routes. He gets the Cleveland defense that we just saw get torched by the 49ers by three running backs on the ground, primarily two, but all over the place. Uh, The price tag is just way too cheap on Chris Carson. Like there's a really good chance in this game, since it's a neutral game script, means they're probably not going to be trailing, that you see Chris Carson see four targets in the air, and you see Chris Carson get, I would say, a minimum of 16 touches here. So 20 opportunities, 20 t- 16 touches on the ground. Um, and that's, say, two catches in the air. So I think 18 total touches was like a median projection at maybe even the low end. So I really like him. Kamara against Jacksonville is good. He only ran 20 routes last week. I imagine this is due to the game flow early because that's 6.25 less than his average on the season. We're just going to chalk that up to game flow. Mark Ingram is in a really good spot. Mark Ingram is a huge favorite here. So the reason I don't like Lamar Jackson as much is because quarterbacks, when they're in big games in terms of wide spreads, it's not as good as quarterbacks who are in smaller spreads, especially if they're home underdogs like Kyler Murray this week. But Mark Ingram... Uh, huge, huge favorite here, 12-point favorite. I uh, saw 65% t- uh, season high last week of the snaps. He was only facing a 10% r- stuff rate. He has the highest success rate on the slate, meaning he gets, um, based on his first down, second down, and third down carries, he's picking up the best chunks on those in terms of hitting the success rate uh, marks. And then Dalvin Cook, he's just game flow independent. I have him as a yes. Maybe he leans more towards a maybe for me because I like uh, David Johnson a lot more, Bell, some of these other guys, and Dalvin Cook's just expensive to get to compared to some of those guys that I would rather have in my lineup. But the matchup seems tough on the ground, but he's going to be so, so involved in the receiving game. They're making it a priority to get him the ball there. So if you're telling me that Dalvin Cook's going to see four or five receptions more times than not, that's turning into 40 yards, 50 yards in the air. And his his floor in this game in the receiving game is going to come at like seven, eight points as like a floor if he doesn't get in the end zone. And then even on the ground, his floor is what, five points, 50 yards, even in the toughest of matchups. It's just a good spot, but when you factor in his price point, I think there's a higher definitely point per dollar play in Bell and David Johnson and even a higher ceiling maybe in those guys in their matchups. Um, Nick Chubb, he's just somewhat of an interest, not much to say there. Leonard Fournette, though, he ran 43 routes last week, Leonard Fournette, 43. 
This guy is now um, top two in routes run per game. Absolutely insane. Uh, he has a fine projected game script here. His volume is just so, so superior. The matchup against the Saints who shut down Zeke Elliott. We saw that last week. Didn't really give up too much on the ground last week to the Bucks. This this run defense looks really good. We started to notice that midway through last year. They brought a lot of guys back. But Leonard Fournette, he's not just going to be running the ball. Like 43 routes is insane. Continues to see bulk of targets. Continues to catch balls. I think he had four receptions last week. So yeah, Fournette at 6,700. His price is now coming up, but it's still too low. Todd Gurley, the price is too cheap, but the San Francisco run D looks really tough. Um, we like to see Todd Gurley running routes. That's what he's been doing. Continues to run a lot of routes, top 10 in routes run. He played 93% of the snaps the last time out. So, I mean, he seems fully healthy. It's just a matter of like that price point is way too cheap for Todd Gurley getting a ton of routes run and playing now almost all of the snaps at running back. It's just, do you trust it? His team total is really good, 26.5. He's coming into this one as a home favorite. So, I might actually bump Todd Gurley to a yes. Look, a home favorite against a tough run defense, but you're going to be involved heavily in the receiving game. And now Malcolm Brown is just shifted out of the actual ground game here. So if Todd Gurley is going to come into this game looking at 16 rushes in two to three catches, that's insane for 6,200. And we know his red zone role is going to be elite. Derrick Henry against Denver's run defense. Denver's run defense has looked terrible. Derrick Wolf is now going to be healthy, though. So last week, we saw their run defense play well against the Chargers because Derrick Wolf was in there. He was out the week before against Leonard Fournette. He's like the heart and soul of that defensive line. I don't have much interest in Derrick Henry. If I'm going to play a running back who's not going to touch the ball all that much in the receiving game, I'd rather just play Mark Ingram in a much better spot um, as a big favorite at home. And then just some interesting spots, I think, of Kenyon Drake against Washington. Very favorable matchup here. Uh, the easiest he might see all year based on his team being terrible. Duke Johnson as an underdog against Kansas City. We saw two weeks ago Duke Johnson gets 60% of the snaps in a positive game script. Last week, he only gets 40%, but his team was leading big. If they get down here, I think you're going to see a lot of Duke Johnson. He becomes an interesting tournament play for me. Wide receivers. Uh, so wide receivers is going to be quick because early in the week, it takes a lot to filter this list down. On a 10-game slate, I still have 24 wide receivers on here. This is obviously going to change. Really, once I filter down my quarterbacks, I'll t- start to knock out some wide receivers. Um, but the top-end guys are fine. I really like Cooper Cup against the 49ers. 49ers have been getting shredded by... Um, by slot wide receivers, we saw Tyler Boyd have 10 catches, 122 yards against him week two, um, 50 plus yards and a touchdown for Godwin week one, 80 plus yards and a touchdown for Juju Smith week three, uh, week four, they were on by and then week five, they didn't do any like the Browns did nothing against them if you're uh, watched on Monday Night Football. But Landry was the only guy who shined. He had four receptions in the first half. And then the second half, the whole offense fell apart. But still, uh, he's a slot wide receiver. He had the best day against them. Cooper Cup coming in with the most targets in the league now. Um, Cooper Cup, uh, it has just been phenomenal. Like Keenan Allen through the first three weeks was getting all the hype. Cooper Cup is a better wide receiver through the first five weeks of the season than Keenan Allen right now, um, just based on statistics, right? And, and on, they both play out of the slot primarily. Um, but honestly, even there, Cup has just been dominating. Um, and it's easier when you have Brandon Cooks, who's now injured though, but Cooks and Robert Woods on the outside to take attention away from you. So I will give Keenan Allen the benefit of the doubt. I think he's talent-wise definitely better than Cooper Cup, runs better routes. He just has no talent around him to take pressure off of the defenders just zoning in on him. Adam Thielen, definitely. So I'll, I'll touch on Thielen and Diggs, both fantastic. Like if you're playing Kirk Cousins this week in tournaments, you get to both Thielen and Diggs. That's that's it. Maybe you want to correlate him with Dalvin Cook because he's having success in the receiving game. I think that's eh, okay. I'd rather get to Diggs and Thielen. Tyler Boyd, I love this spot against the Ravens. The Ravens slot has just been getting beat up all year long. They're terrible against slot wide receivers. They've given up so, so many fantasy points. I'll break that down on Thursday, show exactly how many against which teams have gone off. But it's pretty much every week, and they continue to get hurt. They just lost their safety, Jefferson, this um, past week to IR. I think a neck injury, something, or actually it might have been an ACL, I believe. Uh, Jimmy Smith doesn't seem to be getting healthy anytime soon. Tavon Young, we've been saying it all year, their slot cornerback. He's the main reason why that they're not doing good in the slot, because he's been injured. He's out for the entire season. That happened in the preseason, or, or even before preseason, so... 
Tyler Boyd coming off of a huge game in another great spot. Marquise Brown, the concern here is the game flow. They're huge favorites, but Marquise Brown, he's not probably he's probably not going to find a better matchup all year long until I believe they play the Bengals again. Um, but you're going to get the Bengals weak secondary. Nobody can guard Marquise Brown as long as he stays healthy out there. Uh, you're pretty much relying on a big play, which is exactly what GPP format fits him for. Larry Fitzgerald seems fine against Atlanta. Very good game flow here. Bounce back spot for Fitz, who had a solid game, but just doesn't find the end zone. It hurts him. Michael Gallup game flow is an issue, but I'd rather pay for Michael Gallup than pay $1,400 more for his teammate Amari Cooper, where game script is clearly an issue. If Donald is in, I'll have more interest in both of those guys and Dak. This is the reason I have interest in Gardner Minshew. I think DD has a phenomenal matchup in the slot against um, New Orleans' PJ Williams. We saw it uh, last week. Chris Goblin did against him. We've seen all season long what's been happening against him in the slot and PJ Williams for the most part the last year and a half. DJ Shark on the outside against Lattimore. That's going to be the determining factor. Shark has looked fantastic. He's beat good cornerbacks, i.e. Bradbury last week, just just torched them all game long. If that continues to be the case against Lattimore, this is going to be a very good stack. I expect DD to be a solid play in any format, cash, GPPs, one-offs. Um, but if Shark, if you believe in him, and he's probably too cheap for sure, um, then this is a very good team stack and easy to run it back with in terms of game stacking if you want to get Kamara or Michael Thomas on the other side. Preston Williams is a cheap wide receiver who just remains too cheap. His price tag has been like 37, 39, 4,000 flat. Now he's 4,100 coming off the bye. Three straight weeks he's led this wide receiver group in snaps. Three straight weeks he's led it in targets. And the fact that if Albert Wilson comes back, that doesn't affect Preston Williams. That affects Jakeem Grant. Albert Wilson is primarily a slot wide receiver. That would affect Jakeem Grant who plays in the slot as well. You then see a lot of my exes who are maybes. Auden Tate played 100% of the snaps, getting to go up against Baltimore. If there's no Jimmy Smith, still favorable spot. Saw a couple of red zone targets. Should have had two touchdowns, but dropped one of them last week. Terry McLaurin against Miami is just a fantastic matchup. It's just, if do I trust Colt McCoy? Do I trust whoever the hell the quarterback's going to be with the new head coach now? Um, if it's going to be Colt McCoy, I don't trust him as much, but a very good matchup against Miami. The only concern there is you get Xavier Howard on him. And there's a good chance he just gets shut down. All of these wide receivers in this Atlanta, Houston, or Atlanta, Arizona, and Houston, um, and uh, KC game are all going to be interesting to me, right? Uh, Demarcus Robinson, interesting. McCole Hardman, interesting. Pringle is going to be somewhat interesting, right? People are going to say, I want to play Byron Pringle after his primetime game where he looked great. Well, if Sammy Watkins is out, which it early on leans to be that way. And if Tyreek Hill is out, well, Pringle is going to play. He played 78% of the snaps the other night. He's going to play probably 90% of the snaps. He'll continue to get McCole Hardman working out of the slot around the 60% rate. Um, so keep an eye. If Tyree Kill's back, no interest in Pringle. If Watkins suits up, no interest in Pringle. If he's out, all these guys have interest to me. Um, I like Hardman a lot this week if indeed those guys are out. A lot of people will gravitate towards Pringle. Give me $5,300 McCole Hardman, who's probably the bigger play upside guy. Sutton, Sanders, both seem like they're in um, interesting spots. By the end of the week, I probably won't have interest. Tennessee just plays a, a blanket coverage defense where it's tough to get deep on them. So that benefits Emmanuel Sanders and shorter routes a little bit more. Really hurts Cortland Sutton. Probably the guy who gets the biggest bump there is Philip Lindsay coming out of the backfield. Easy, quick catches. Um, Philip Lindsay, who played only 46% of the snaps this past week to 54% Royce Freeman. Lindsay was by far the better back. When he was on the field, they're actually moving the ball. Freeman just looks like dust out there. Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. Um, yeah, if you get Sam Darnold back, both these guys are in play for sure. Dallas' secondary is still beat up. Xavier Woods is going to be out for, I imagine, another week or two. They're down their top two safeties. Uh, this is a good spot for Robbie Anderson. Deep balls if Darnold is back. And obviously Crowder, a potential eight-plus target game. That's where I'm at right now. Keyshawn Johnson playing 95% of the snaps. If Demir Bird is still out, I would expect the same thing to happen. And he's too cheap for this matchup against Atlanta at 3,900. But if Demir Bird is back in, Keyshawn Gardner's no interest for me. He'll probably become the wide receiver four and four wide receiver sets. Farrell Cooper is now in the player pool for um, Arizona. He didn't play too many snaps. They just stuck with a lot of three wide receiver sets, so they didn't have to put Cooper on the field as much. Um, three wide receiver sets had uh, Keyshawn on the outside, Trent Sherfield on the outside, and Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. So that's where I'm at right now with all this stuff. Let's get to tight end. 
Um, tight end, Zach Ertz is way too cheap. I don't understand it. I, I write here, unreal how cheap this guy is for the matchup. Nine targets a game, faces Minnesota, who overall has a good defense, but they haven't been stout against tight ends, right? Um, they've given up points to Austin Hooper. They've given up points to Darren Waller. It's just a spot where this is a fantastic matchup um, for Zach Ertz and something that I would want to be taking advantage of wholeheartedly. Um, I'm trying to remember last week who they played uh, in terms of, like Zach Ertz had a good game last week against the Jets. People are saying, oh, but the Jets are so good against tight ends. Yeah, did you know who they played? Tom Sweeney, Ryan Izzo, Demetrius Harris were their primary opponents at the tight end position. Like Zach Ertz is clearly above that. Don't get too fixated on DVP. It's good to look at, especially later in the year, but early on you should look into the matchups they're playing, especially at tight end where there's really no solid tight ends. Uh, so if you don't play one of these top tier guys, you're obviously going to have good DVP numbers against them. We'll talk about that um, when we get to Houston. But um, yeah, Zach Ertz is fine. Kittle is fine. Finally gets in the end zone last night. He's had like three touchdowns called back this year. Finally gets one there. Austin Hooper is going to be the chalk as he probably should. It's a dream matchup I write here uh, against Arizona. We've seen what teams have done against Arizona. Eifert, the only guy who duds and Eifert plays 27% of the snaps and people eat that chalk is just disgusting. Um, but yeah, I get it. Oh, he should have had a touchdown in the end zone. Sure, you can, you can take your Eifert seven points, but for the most part, no tight ends did well last week, so it doesn't matter. But Hooper in a fantastic spot, played 84% of the snaps last week, continues to get over 80% of the snaps. And when this team stinks and they get down, which I don't expect in this game to be as much of the case, but it's just throwing short, quick passes to Hooper because you're getting soft coverage. So he's been benefiting a lot from that. So his stats are a little bit skewed, but I'm a big Hooper truther. uh, And he looks really good, especially for this matchup against Arizona. Will Disley just came off of an 85 plus percent snap rate on Thursday night football. They literally were scheming for him. They were putting him out wide. Like, he's a priority in this offense. It's Tyler Lockett, it's Will Disley, and it's Chris Carson. It's crazy. Like, DK Metcalf doesn't have plays scheme for him. He just runs down the sideline. Will Disley was literally having schemed out plays just for Will Disley. Crazy how much of a priority he's been. I think he's an interesting pivot off of Austin Hooper this week in GPPs, where I expect Hooper's ownership to probably come in around somewhere like 20%. And just an early guess doesn't mean you shouldn't play it. I think it's a fantastic play. I think Disley is an interesting pivot, though. Travis Kelsey, $7,000. Nobody's going to want to own him. Uh, he just hasn't been getting in the end zone. So in a tournament, in a high, in, it, it, well, actually, not nobody's going to want to own him. He'll be lower owned than he should because of the price point and how he's been performing recently. He's been performing great for a tight end, but he's not giving you those 100 yard and a touchdown game. This is a really beneficial um, overall game script and environment. And Houston, albeit last week, they got to play Austin Hooper, who had a good game against them. Um, when they're facing bad tight ends they do very well when they're facing good tight ends they've been very leaky like last week against Hooper so don't look into their fact that they've only given up seven fantasy points a game to the tight end position they've played nobody Austin Hooper is the first guy really last week um, that they got to play for the most part so Chris Herndon coming off suspension I like it especially if Sam Darnold plays at only 3,500 Mark Andrews is a eh, play for me I don't really like the spread there but he's always going to be on the field he's averaging still almost eight targets per game and then Gerald Everett 3,600 you should pick him up on your waivers if Brandon Cooks is out Gerald Everett becomes a legitimate plug and play type guy for DFS Uh, but it's just tough to really want to get there when you have Zach Ertz so cheap like Ertz is just a thousand dollars too cheap I don't understand how a guy's seeing nine targets per game and the clear number one option on his offense in the receiving game and a beneficial matchup is $5,400. If Zach Ertz was labeled as a wide receiver, he'd be one of the best value plays at wide receiver this week. But since he's labeled as a tight end, people are just kind of assuming that that's the norm for the price range. But he's, he's too cheap. Same thing can be said for Austin Hooper. Same thing can be said for um, Travis Kelsey's probably at a fair price point right now. But all these guys, even Kittle's way too cheap. So that's where I'm at right now for this week. Let me put it back on the target offense sheet here. And we will close out the week, but, uh, well, not the week, but right now. That's not where I'm at for the week. That's where I'm at at this point in the week. But thank you. Appreciate you tuning in. Hit that subscribe button before you leave. That helps me out a lot. Really appreciate this. Unlikely to play Thursday's Saquon. There you go. That's what I expected. Just got the notification. But my name is Sal Betri. If you can follow me on Twitter, at Sal DFS. If you head over to Patreon, link down below. 
Check out my exclusive content over there. I'll be on Pat Mayo Show next Monday. I'll be on the Awesomeo Show this week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday at 11 a.m. Make sure to check out all that content. Roam around in the description if you would like. Reach out with anything, any questions you have on Twitter. Comments down below. We have a Discord over on Patreon. If you become a priority member or Hall of Fame member, you'll be entered into that Discord. Uh, Some good conversations hopefully going to be getting stirred up this week as well. So thank you for tuning in. My name's Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.